God is always at work. In the waiting, in the moments you feel alone, in the moments you've blown it, He's always been interested in you, your life, and how your relationship with Him is progressing. In this week's episode called Think Bigger, our lead pastor, Chris Figaretti, looks at all that can go wrong when we try our own way and all that can go right when we seek God's way. Let's listen in. Welcome to week 14 of our series, In the Beginning. We're walking through the book of Genesis, and uh, I'm going to encourage you to get a Bible and take it out and open up to the book of Genesis. Genesis is in the very front of the book, and we're going to be in chapter 17 this week, so you can find that pretty easily. I absolutely want to encourage you to get a paper Bible. I know it's antiquated, it's old, all of that, but you can write notes in the margins. God's going to speak to you things that you can actually write down. You're going to see connections that you can draw arrows between. You can underline and circle things. And I constantly want to push, I mean, we're going to put the the scripture on the screen, but I constantly want to point you towards the word itself, because that is That is the foundation of our worldview of everything. What I have to say about it, I hope helps you, but it's not gospel. It's not scripture. Go to the scriptures and get in the habit of doing that. So I encourage you to do that. Find your way there. If you're new with us, just to catch you up, we've been the last 13 weeks in the book of Genesis, and you can watch all of that on our website, um, and I encourage you to do so have a binge-watching weekend or something and catch up, Uh, or you can just jump in here. Let me catch you up, though, real quick. We have been with a guy named Abram for the last many weeks, and Abram is kind of, you know him as Abraham, and actually today he gets his new name, Abraham. God changes his name, but Abraham is at the center of history. 4,000 years later, we know who this dude is. He's impacted history in, in a way that Nobody else other than Jesus Christ has. He, um, 60% of the world traces either its, its uh, heritage, its spiritual heritage, or its genetic heritage, heritage back to this guy, Abram or Abraham. Now, when God comes to Abraham, he knows nothing of God. He's a, he's a pagan worshiper. He lives in the desert of Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. Um, God shows up and says, hey, Abraham or Abram, I want you to follow me. And Abram has this desire to follow God and actually does what God tells him to do, sort of. He makes some huge mistakes along the way. He bends the rules along the way, uh, but he has this desire to follow God. He's kind of like us. I mean, if you're tuned in today, you probably have this desire to follow God or you're at least looking for him. But We've all made mistakes along the way, which gives me a lot of hope. I hope gives you a lot of hope. So when Abram was 75 years old, God shows up, calls him, says, I want you to leave everything you know, and I want you to pick up, and I want you to go where I'm going to show you. He doesn't even have a map or a destination or a master plan, and he gets up, and he goes, and he follows God, and God makes him a promise that he's going to have kids. Now, he's 75 years old. His wife's 65 years old. They don't have any kids. The thing they want more than anything else is an heir. They want their family name to go on. They want their heritage to go on, but they have no real promise of that. They're kind of getting to the point where they're beyond the ability to have kids, but God promises them that they will, and then nothing happens. We're going to pick up in, uh, in chapter 17, verse 1 today. Uh, And it it says this, when Abram 
or was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. Now, we're going to stop right there. He's 99 years old. Last week in chapter 16, he was, it was 13 years ago. Uh, it's, it's been 24 years since God showed up and initially made this promise to Abram that he was going to be, uh, he was going to have a son, that his wife Sarai was going to have a son, and that they were going to, they were going to have a heritage. Um, 24 years. Uh, last week was just a series of mistakes that Abram and Sarai had made. Uh, it was it was kind of a train wreck. It was it was a Jerry Springer episode. It was it was bad. But it's been 13 years, and Abram apparently has done nothing catastrophic enough to make the Bible, and God has done nothing miraculous enough to make the Bible. Uh, so, you know, we can assume that Abram was just kind of walking as faithfully as he can with God for 13 years, not much going on, and the promise has still not been answered. He's now 99 years old. He's beyond the ability to have kids, and so is his wife at 90 years old. Now, I don't know about you, but I would be struggling at this point. I mean, 24 years waiting for God to come through, aging out beyond the, the, the physical, uh, physiological capacity to even fulfill the promise that God had given me. I would be discouraged because, well, let's face it, we live in an Insta culture, don't we? We have Instagram. Well, we, we don't cook in crock pots anymore. We cook in what? Insta pots. We could cook an entire roast in 20 minutes. It's amazing. And if it's not done that fast, I'm getting impatient with it. You know, we watch, we watch all these home improvement shows. My wife loves to watch, you know, like hometown and fixer upper and all that. And they'll, they'll take a, they'll take a, a dump and they will turn it into a dream home in 30 minutes or 60 minutes. It's amazing. Uh, and, and we've kind of come to this place as a culture where we, we kind of expect to have everything right away. Um, now, I've fixed up several homes over my lifetime, and I'm here to tell you it doesn't take 60 minutes. It takes years. It takes years of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, but we are conditioned to have everything now. About a year and a half ago when I had COVID, I, I ended up on the couch for about 16 days. I was really sick. And uh, so I was binge watching this show called Barnwood Builders. Anybody familiar with Barnwood Builders? Um, it's, a, it's a group of guys from Lewisburg, West Virginia, and they go into to these farm communities and they take down old barns that were built in the 1800s and they, they reclaim the logs, these hand-hewn, beautiful logs. And they'll spend an entire episode deconstructing a barn. And then, maybe in two or three episodes later, they'll reconstruct a cabin out of the logs, but then it's going to be another season or two until that cabin's actually done and you get to see the cabin. It's, it's, it's actually a lot more true to life than, say, hometown or fixer-upper uh, because it takes, it takes years. And, and I grew to love barnwood builders. It, you know, the thing about barnwood builders is it wasn't about the finished product. It was about the journey. It was about the, it was about the relationships. The reason you watch is because the way the, the people who are doing the work love each other and joke around with each other and do life together. That's the point. And you know, and in a lot of ways, that's the point of life as well. It's not just like, let's get a finished product as quickly as we can. 
Fixing up homes takes time. Going through life takes time. Following God takes time. And I think we get, we lose sight of that because we live in this insta society. We forget. We read the book of Acts. You know, you sit down and read the book of Acts in an hour and, um, and you're like, oh my gosh, there was this, and then God did this, and then an angel showed up, and then this miracle happened, and then Paul plants all these churches, and blah, 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 and we forget that it took 30 years. Those are the highlight reels of 30 years of life at the very beginning of the church. And so it can get frustrating when things take time. Abram is hanging out for, well, it's been 13 years since the last big thing, and the last big thing wasn't good, and he's got to be wondering, is this going to happen? We certainly would be, and many of us would be probably very tempted to, to bail. And I just want to encourage you, don't bail. It takes time. God works on a different timeline than us. You know, 20 years ago, I had a medical issue with my, with my finger, and God healed it miraculously overnight. Like, people prayed for it. I woke up the next morning. It was healed. Nothing since. I've had... I mean, last year, I, I had COVID. I was on the couch for 16 days. I ended up with a blood clot in my lungs. Uh, God did not show up and, and heal my COVID, right? But I know God showed up and healed my finger. And I think we expect, well, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and God's going to do this. And, and when it doesn't, we, we lose hope. But Abram, well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but God shows up. And I just want to encourage you, you can't binge watch life. Stay faithful between the scenes, and the best parts of life happen between the scenes. Which brings me to point number one, don't lose heart. God typically plays the long game, and it's totally worth it. Well, it says the Lord appeared to him, to Abram, and said, I am God Almighty. So here we got a guy who probably has some questions, probably wondering if God's ever going to show up. I think probably has accepted the fact that his wife, Sarai, is not going to have the child that God had promised him. And God shows up and says, I am the Lord God Almighty, or I am God Almighty. Now, the Hebrew word there is El Shaddai. It means almighty, overpower, overpowerer. In other words, there's nothing that he can't overcome. Nothing is impossible, all sufficient. God shows up gives himself this name, I am capable of anything. I'm the God who's capable of anything. So he starts there. And then he says, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Now, this is the same promise God made Abram 24 years ago and a couple times along the way. He, he made him this promise that he would have uh, he would have an heir. Um, and he says, walk faithfully with me and be blameless. Now, has Abram walked faithfully and been blameless? No, no, he's made mistakes. He's screwed up along the way. Now, for 13 years, best we can tell, hasn't done anything major, but I promise you it hasn't been perfect, and he hasn't been perfect. Now, this is, this is important to understand. See, Abram's screw-ups, they don't destroy God's promise. God will fulfill his promise, but I think they do most likely, and I can't point to a scripture and say, in this situation, this is what happened, but I can tell you that oftentimes when we sin, 
when we walk off the reservation, so to speak, and try and take control and do it our way, as Abram has done, it will delay God's plan or God's promise. When the Israelites left Egypt, God led them across the desert to enter the promised land, and they lost faith, and they disobeyed God, and they turned around, and they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. They didn't need to wander in the desert for 40 years, and my guess is Abram probably didn't have to wait 25 years. See, his screw-ups don't destroy God's promise, but they delay it. And, 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 and in our case, it's the same thing. God will allow us to take a detour. And he's got all the time in the world, right? They also bring natural consequences and pain to our lives and to other, the other people in our lives. But God doesn't bail on Abram. He doesn't walk away. He doesn't take back the promise. He leans into Abram. He walks with Abram. He allows the time to pass. Now it becomes kind of practically impossible. And then God shows up and says, I can do anything. Which brings me to point number two. Guys, we create all kinds of pain and delay when we go our own way. You know, so sometimes people will say, well, you know, I'm going to go do this because I really want to go do this, and I know God has to forgive me. Okay. Well, first of all, that's willful disobedience. Secondly, it's going to take you on a detour. It's going to add time to your journey and you're going to lose time. Abram lost 24 years. I don't know how quickly it would have happened otherwise, but it's also going to bring all kinds of pain and consequence upon your life. Don't do that. And it's not that God will abandon us, but he will let us take detours. He absolutely will. Now, Maybe you've said this. I know lots of folks say this over, over the course of a lifetime, usually younger folks, but we'll say something along these lines. I want to make my own mistakes. I got to learn myself. I got to go out and make my own way. I got to make my own mistakes. That's how I learn best. That's stupid. And, and it's, that's about the dumbest statement anybody could ever make because somebody has already made that mistake. Somebody has already paid the stupid tax. They've already got walked through the pain. You don't have to. Learn from other people's mistakes. It's so much smarter. You can get so much further in life if you're willing to learn from the mistakes other people have made. That's part of why God puts all these mistakes in the Bible. He puts his principles and the, the way life works, he puts that in the Bible, but he also puts all these mistakes along the way so that we can learn, so that we don't redo them, so that we don't repeat them. Learn from the God who created it all and learn from the mistakes that were made before you, and you can go so much further, so much faster in this life. It's why history is so important. It's why as a society, we must never stop learning history or we will be destined to repeat the mistakes of the past. As followers of God, we must read the word of God, be familiar with it so we don't repeat the mistakes of the past or at least we got the best shot at not doing that, and so that we understand the way life is supposed to work because God designed it all. And oftentimes, what he, the way he designed life to work is actually the opposite of what everybody's saying on Instagram. Just saying. All right, well, in verse 3, it says, Abram fell face down. 
Now, Abram's relationship with God to this point has been fairly casual, fairly conversational. And, uh, and I love that. You know, here at the Vineyard, we are, we are a casual conversational culture. Um, you know, I, I can talk to God like he is my father. Jesus told us to talk to God like he's our father. He said, call him daddy. The writer of Hebrews said that we can approach God's throne with confidence because we're his kids and because our sins have been covered by what Jesus did on the cross. And I love that casual interaction. God is my father. God is my friend. And we can have a relationship with God like that. And Abram has had an ongoing conversational friendship with God up to this point. Yet in this situation, in this particular moment, he falls on his face in reverence. You know, James, Jesus' half-brother in James 4 said, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Here, Abram's on his face before God. So the question is then, which is it? Is it a casual conversational relationship with God? Or is it a reverential, I'm on my face before God relationship? And the answer is yes, it's both. It's both. And there are times where we crawl up on our father's lap and say, Dad, I'm really struggling. Or, Dad, have you seen what's going on today? This is so cool. Thank you. And there are other times where we get on our face on the carpet before him and go, Oh, God, have mercy on me. And both are appropriate at different times. Sometimes people will say, well, we're much too casual with God. And other people will say, well, we're much too formal with God. We're supposed to be both. It just depends on the circumstance and what he's up to and where we are. Keep that in mind. Well, God says to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. Hey, we finally got here. He gets his new name, Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So God gives them a new identity. Names are, are, are identity in, in, in their culture and context. And, and so Abram, I mean, I think he's probably really frustrated with his name to this point because his name, Abram, means exalted father. Like he's got a, he's got a, a t-shirt that he walks around in that just says best dad ever. And he has no kids. I mean, that's, it's got to be kind of frustrating. Like, I'll, I'll just wear a vineyard T-shirt instead or something. I mean, there's just total irony. And then, he, and then he's got Ishmael, but that was kind of, you know, that's, we've got to explain that. Now God says, look, Abram, I'm going to call you not, not Big Daddy, not Exalted Father, not World's Best Dad. Your name is Father of Many Nations, and that's what Abraham means. Now, all of this was supposed to come down through Sarai, his wife, and none of it has happened. And he's got this poor guy. He's got to be thinking, what are you doing to me? Guys, point number three, this is so important. Write this down. God calls us what we will be, not what we have been. God calls us what we will be, not what we have been. He calls Abram up to his destiny, not his mistakes, not his disappointments, not his past. And the same thing is true with you. You are not your mistakes. You are not your disappointments. You are not your past. You are who God says you are. And he always calls us up. Jesus, one of his uh, disciples, his name was Simon. 
And Simon was all over the place. I mean, one day he's up, next day he's down. He's, uh, he's, he's full of faith. He has no faith. He bails on Jesus. Then he says, I'm gonna, or he says, I'm going to lay my life down for you. And then he bails on him. He's all over the place. Jesus says, you know what, Simon? Long before Simon became anything, he said, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock. You're, sol- you're the solid rock. You know, on this solid foundation, Jesus says, of Peter, the rock, I'm going to build my church. And the other disciples are looking at him going, I think you got the wrong guy. He's all over the place. But Jesus doesn't call us what we were. He calls us who we are going to be. He calls you son or daughter, priest, heir, beloved, favored. We're not defined by our mistakes. We're defined by who God says we are. And after God gives Abram this this new name, Abraham, father of nations, he then clarifies the promise. He promises him fruitfulness, an heir, the thing that he longed for more than anything else that Sarai longed for more than anything else was an heir, that their their legacy wouldn't stop with them. And God promises them fruitfulness far beyond just an heir. And then he says, you're going to be a nation. You're going to be a chosen people. You're going to be my people, and I will be your God, the God God who created everything. So these people are set apart. And not just that, but they're going to get some land as well, some of the best land on earth. Verse 6, God says, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Abram wanted a son. Sarai wanted a son. God gives them a nation and a legacy that has gone on for 4,000 years. He has set them apart as a as a representative of of his in this world. You see, brings me to point four, God's goodness is bigger than your dreams. You're wishing for a son and God's got an entire, an entire nation and globe ahead of you. See, whatever you wish for is nothing compared to what God has for you. And sometimes when we're in the waiting, we're like, well, this is never going to happen. Don't lose hope in the waiting. God is good, and His plans for your life are better than your plans for your life. Not only does Abraham, Abraham get what he wanted, a son, he gets an unstoppable legacy beyond the next generation. He gets the land. He gets the relationship with God. He gets it all. You know, a quote that... It's probably been read in sermons here at the Vineyard more times than I can count, but is incredibly appropriate for this, and I will read it again. It's from C.S. Lewis. He said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. 
like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. God's goodness is so much bigger than your dreams. When verse 9, it says, Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Now, you may remember a few weeks ago that, that God established a covenant with Abram with these promises, but God did. It was all on God's side. It was God doing the covenant. It was God. And now he's like, no, I'm going to, now it's time for you to get some skin in the game, so to speak. And this is what he says. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Skin in the game, get it? Uh, you are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For, generation, for the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. So anybody living in Abraham's tribe has to be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now, this is a radical step of faith. I mean, faith is trusting God enough to obey what he says, even when it doesn't make any sense. I don't know how this makes any sense whatsoever. I, I, I mean, talk about a commitment move. I mean, there's not a man on earth who comes up with this one on their own. This had to have been God because, you know, I mean, nobody comes up with this idea. That is a horrible idea. So whatever, well, it's not a horrible idea because it was God's idea, but like in the human, like the natural, who comes up with that? It's one thing to say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. It's another thing to cut the skin off the end of the most sensitive organ on the human body. It's like, where does that come from? And not just Abraham, he, or Abraham, he has to go to the rest of his tribe and go, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put some skin in the gate. And they're like, anyway. goes on, God also said to Abram, or Abraham, been calling him Abram for so long, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Again, God calls us what we will be, not what we have been. He changes her name from Sarai, which is princess of the family, to Sarah, which is plural, princess of many. This is what she will be. Well, in verse 17, it says, Abraham fell face down. So he falls face down in reverence before God, and then he laughs. And he says to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? It's a laughable situation, right? It's impossible. God will, we'll see in a few verses, tell them to name the child 
Isaac, which means laughter, because it's a laughable situation. It's, it's funny. I mean, I don't care who you are. It's funny. And then Abram says something really interesting, and don't miss this. He says this to God. He says, and Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael, now Ishmael is the son that was born last week, but 13 years ago to a servant girl that he slept with. It was a bad mistake, did it anyway. God's were going to redeem it, but if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. I don't think Abram or Abraham is worried that Ishmael's going to be left behind here. I think what he is, he's saying to God is, that's really nice, but that's impossible. But I do have plan B here. And I know it's only half the plan. It's only, only my child. It's not Sarah's. But, you know, at least we got a kid. We can do something with this God. And so he brings his plan B to the table. He's wrestling with God's promise. He's having a face-to-face conversation with the God of the universe, and he's still dealing with his doubts. Guys, I hope that gives you some hope. Because we all wrestle with our doubts. Abraham is wrestling with his doubts. Which brings me to point number five, which is God leans into our doubts. He's not afraid of them. He leans into our doubts, and he walks us through them if we will lean into him, which is what Abraham does. In verse 19, it says, Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. So he says, Yes, for your sake, I will not forget Ishmael, but your wife Sarah is is going to bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac, which means laughter, and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for the for his descendants after him. He's like, Abraham, this is going to happen. What I promised you will come true. In verse 20, it says, and as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will give, will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. God says to Abraham, look, I will bless Ishmael for your sake. It was a a detour. It was not part of the original plan, and I will redeem that for, for your sake. But my plan is Isaac. My plan has always been Isaac. The promise was for you and for Sarah, and so it will be, even though it seems impossible at the moment. Buckle up. And then he goes on, my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. So God says, this is going to happen, and it's going to happen quick. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. God's determined to fulfill his plan. He is. His plan will come to pass but he will also redeem our mistakes along the way. Well, in verse 23, it says, On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael, and all those born in his household were bought with his money, every male in his household, and he circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. If you, if you would underline, circle, whatever, circumcised on that very day. It's so important. 
And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. You know, Abraham had faith enough to obey without delay. He did what God told him to do. I mean, he wrestled with God. He had his doubts. But when it became clear what he was to do, he did it, and he did not delay. Abram leaned into and wrestled with God's plan and God's promise. But ultimately, once that promise and that plan was clear in his mind, he did what God said. And again, guys, this is how we define faith, trusting God enough to do what he says. And he did it, he did it without delay, which brings me to the final point in the message, which is this, faith doesn't delay, faith that doesn't delay is powerful faith. Faith that doesn't delay is powerful faith. When God says, do it, you do it. You don't delay. When God says, says give it, you give it. I got a buddy who's an incredibly generous guy, and if you've ever seen the movie Braveheart, there's an Irish guy who shows up to fight with the Scottish and with William Wallace and, and Braveheart, and he's kind of nuts, you know? He's, he's kind of got the twitchy eyes, and he's always looking up and talking to the Almighty, and, and, and he's having this, this go ongoing conversation, and he's kind of nuts. Well, my friend's kind of like that. He's not nuts, but he has this ongoing conversation with God, and uh, it's, it's, it's really cool. And when God tells him to do something, he just does it. He just does it. Well, if you remember back, we did uh, our Be the Blessing initiative back in November, and I made the announcement that, well, hey, this year, instead of $25,000, we're going to try and raise $300,000. You remember that? And we did. That Sunday, when I made that announcement and share what was going on, my buddy comes up to me after the service and said, hey, God told me to come to church today, which he usually comes anyway. He said, but I wrote this check out ahead of time, and he hands me a $100,000 check because God said, hey, give $100,000. He goes, I had no idea what was going on this weekend. I'm like, well, how cool is that? And he would, he would empty his entire bank account and probably has a couple times, and you know, he understands that God's just going to fill back in. He can't outgive God. But when God says to do something, you do it, and you don't delay. When it becomes clear, you don't delay. That's powerful faith, and that's what Abraham does here. When God says, you know, identifies a sin in your life and says, stop, you don't figure out how you're going to ease your way out of it. You stop. Guys, all of this backs up to and comes back to what we talked about last week. What's your goal in life? Is it your plans or is it God's glory? What's your ultimate goal? The success of your plans or God's glory and God's honor? If it's God's glory, you're going to save yourself a lot of detours. You're going to save yourself time, trouble, heartache, and pain, and you're going to save the people around you a lot of that too. And you'll gain for yourself peace that passes understanding, relationship with God, and better relationships with people. Remember Barnwood Builders? It's all about the relationships and the journey. And you will, you will walk in the presence of God in your life, and you will experience His favor. If it is His glory, if it is, yeah, it's powerful. But if it's to succeed in your own plans, those things don't really ha happen. Now, it's not that God's against success, and I said this last week, God's, 
We can have plans and we can work towards success, and those are fine, but they're subordinate to God's glory and God's plan. There's so many people in this life, I know many, who have gotten what they wanted, who have succeeded in their plans and reaped a harvest of unintended consequences. Sarai and her plan last week for Hagar and Abraham reaped a a whirlwind of unintended consequences. I know many people who are getting towards the end of their lives. They have a pile of money. They were successful in being financially successful. And their marriage is a wreck and their relationship with their kids is, is no good. Their kids tend to be ungrateful. No real friendships and no real purpose. Oh, you were successful, but you didn't get what really would have made life worth living anyway. And I'm not saying that God's against being successful. He's not. But what is your goal? Guys, today, today, I want to invite you again just to take a moment and determine that and have that conversation with God. And I want to encourage you. Choose God's glory and tell him so and make that commitment to him today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that that you have a better plan than we do. Lord, thank you that that your, your plans for our lives are way bigger than our dreams for our lives. Thank you that that we don't have to get anxious in the waiting, but that we can enjoy the ride and and the people and a relationship with you. Lord, thank you that the best parts are between the scenes. Lord, help help us to walk with you. Help us to live for your glory. Help us to make our lives about honoring you. And then help us to live in the blessing of that in this life and in the next. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.